2: what is up welcome to the arrowhead attic podcast with matt connor and sterling holmes check that matt connor is in new york doing verteram stuff baby so we have patrick allen here joining us on the podcast today patrick how are you man
3: I'm so fired up to be on the Tuesday show. What's happening? It's it's the a dogs big day. And cats living together, mass hysteria,
2: dude. It's a it's a big day on the uh, on the AA podcast. Do you think that Matt Connor is just walking around trying to act like Verduram in New York? Because I texted him. I said, "Have you seen him?" And he says, "Dude, everyone acts like Verduram up there. Just hey, what are you doing? I'm walking here."
3: Yeah, but see, Verduram is not actually for, like he's from New York State. Like he sounds like he's from Brooklyn, but he's from like uh, Binghamton or something. It's like he's, you know, he, I mean, look, he's, 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 he's New York guy through and through, but let's not act like he's Robert De Niro in taxi. <laughs> Do you think Matt Connor gets Sabaro? That's the only thing I think
2: is going to happen. I would, if there's any one of us four to be like, yeah, grab the New York slice
3: like Michael Scott, it's. yeah. I want him out there with the with the with the camera crew. This is my favorite New York pizza spot, Michael Scott style. I love it. Uh, full transparency
2: for everyone. We're going to talk Jared McKinnon. We're going to talk Orlando Brown Junior.'s uh, potential contract extension. We're going to talk about positional groups that we think are being not talked about enough. Maybe some guys that we think could be on the cut line coming into the season, as well as. Apparently, Petty Patrick Mahomes is out here liking some tweets. But you guys all know, not a ton going on right now in the offseason. So we might have some fun. Might have a serial review coming later on. So stay tuned. If you want to talk Chiefs, we'll do it. If you want to get just light and bright, we'll have that as well. Uh, Before we get into that, speaking of light and bright, I had the KC uh, Pilsner light over the weekend. I was on a golf trip with the boys. How was it? Is it, it was good? fantastic. I got mine in the, okay. the Pilsner Light was outstanding. It was very refreshing. It's only like three and a half percent. So if you're not trying to get a uh, a massive buzz when it's a heat index of 111 degrees, like it was down there when you're playing 36 holes, the Pilsner Light was the perfect choice. It was delicious. Again. They brew their beer with only four ingredients based it off the German purity laws of 1516. Casey Beerco, you love it. We love it. Every time you guys send us a review, tag us on Twitter. It means a lot. Try the Pilsner Light. Again, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Patrick, let's get into Jarek McKinnon. He was brought back. I don't have the contract details in front of me. Everywhere I've looked, I've not seen anything official, Right. But you have to imagine it's a one-year deal. Not going to be something crazy. What was your initial reaction when you see the Jarek McKinnon news returning
3: to Kansas City? I loved it. I love Jet McKinnon. I thought he played really hard last year. We've talked about him on this podcast a lot. He, uh, he he blocks well, and and it just whenever he got the opportunity to get to get the ball last year, I felt like he ran so damn hard. He put his head down. You know, a lot of guys running backs, and you know, they get on the sideline, they catch a screen pass or something. They got three guys coming at him. They step out of bounds. I felt like McKinnon was still, he was putting his head down and and getting those extra yards, trying to prove something, running with a chip on his shoulder. So I was really glad they brought him back, especially because he's probably the best blocker of the group. What I'm confused about is why they took so long to bring him back. Mm. It, it, like, you know, was there an injury issue? I hadn't heard anything, but like, was he, was he like banged up? And they were like, Hey, listen, like, keep us informed. Like, when you you know we'll come in for a physical and we'll, we want to bring you back, but they're, we're not going to do it until you're healthy. I don't know what it was. I know he's dealt with injury issues in the past, but it seems strange that like the timing of it. Like, why did they bring him back now? Did they want to get somebody else? Did they want to evaluate their group and like the mini camps? I don't understand the timing of it, but I'm glad he's back.
2: Yeah, the timing is a little interesting, but also I guess. I don't care because I think he adds a lot to this group. I'm not a a lot as in. I think he's getting the lion's share of the snaps. He adds a lot in the fact that if you have Clyde as your one, say Clyde is your one, a he call him your Mario. He does everything well, but doesn't excel at any specific thing. Correct. Then what happens if he goes down? He's been injured. Some in his NFL career, he's a running back running backs get hurt. They take an absolute beating out there. Well, then you have Ronald Jones. He's your first and second down back, but he's not a pass catcher. He's a horrendous pass blocker. Don't spill your beer. That's the golden stuff over there, okay? I almost got my microphone over. Okay, I thought it was safe. I keep the beer over here. As long as the beer is safe, that's all that matters. And you want to keep Patrick safe. And by doing that, that's not having Ronald Jones out there on third down. That's having Jared McKinnon out there on third down. So with those three guys... You have a very versatile group and a group that I think you, you really trust. Well, yes, you don't have an Alvin Kamara. You don't have a healthy Saquon or, or, or healthy Christian McCaffrey. You have a group of guys who excel in certain situations. And I think that that matters. They keep they can keep each other fresh. And then you also have uh, Isaiah Pachenko. Uh, A lot of guys think that he is going to be a potential return man on this roster. You have Derek Gore who has shown flashes in limited action last year. So the chiefs running back group as a whole, I think is, is fine. There's a good stable of players out there that can get it done, which leads me to my next question. I think Michael Burton's making the roster. I would be hard pressed to see this many guys making the team. Who is the odd man out if you had to currently put a uh, put a name out there? I'll tell you
3: what, I, I, Pacheco. I don't think he's a slam dunk to make the roster. The guy's a seventh round pick. Um, mm-hmm. If they like the veterans better, he's going to the practice squad. So I think, in fact, I think it's likely he'll go to the the practice squad. I think with all the receivers they brought in, they'll find somebody else to 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 return. And, you know, and, and if he's not great on special teams, there's just not going to be room for him. But then I wonder, like, is it? Di- if it's me, I want to keep Derek Gore. I'm not particularly interested in Ronald Jones. I know a lot of people really like him, but yeah, the guy's been in the league for a while. We know what he is. Maybe it's the unknown with Derek Gore, but the dude flashed last year a couple of different times. He flashed in preseason. He actually did the damn thing when he was given the opportunity in the regular season. So I, they're not going to get rid of, of Clyde. He's going to be there. So... You know, I I, I could see a, a scenario where if they really like Derek Orr and they think he looks good in camp, and they like McKinnon for his blocking ability, that Ronald Jones doesn't make the team. And if you look at his contract, it's not like anything that is you know signaling to you that he's a a slam dunk. I think he was the the veteran running back they wanted to bring in some some veteran backup talent but that doesn't mean he's going to make the team.
2: Yeah. I'm with you in the fact that I don't think Ronald Jones is a slam dunk, but I do think he adds something that the other backs potentially don't add. He's more of a power back, right? I, I just, if it were me, it just feels like with Clyde, Ronald Jones and McKinnon, you don't even need to have that fourth guy. You can roll with those three and Pachenko's pr- a practice squad. and Maybe Gore's the odd man out. I feel bad because Gore did flash at times. Yeah. I just don't know if it was enough. I, I just don't. I don't know how well he excels in pass catching. We didn't really see much. I don't know how well he excels at pass blocking. We didn't get to see that a whole bunch because he was mostly in there in garbage time. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but I will say the versatility of this group has been enjoyable, and that's what's so fun is this entire team. This offseason about athleticism, versatility. Same thing yeah. with the receivers, right? Sure, Tyreek Hill's gone. But when you look at the rest of the wide receivers, there's so much versatility. It's not that everyone does everything well. It's they all excel in certain things. And that's what can be so dangerous for, for matchup problems for other imposing teams.
3: Yeah, I I think so. And and look with the running backs and somebody mentioned in the chat, like Gore also flashed a missing holes. I think, the 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 flaw in, in in that argument and the flaw in my argument that he flashed positively sometimes is that you just you haven't seen enough of him to know. Mm. Um, so I'm at the point where like I trust I trust Andy Reid and Brett Veach and the coaching staff Eric Bieniemy to evaluate this running back group and pick the pick the best guys. Right, they get to see them in practice every day. They know what their capabilities. That doesn't mean they're always going to be right about everything, but. If they, if they end up cutting Derek Orr, even though maybe he's a little bit of a fan favorite, or they cut Ronald Jones, there's probably a good reason for it. Um, mm. But you know, then again, they brought in Le'Veon Bell, and he didn't do anything. So you know, you just, you, you just never know. It's, it's a tricky position. The fact of the matter is, it's going to be a passing team with Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback. So
2: Before I get to that question, I was going to ask you, do you think the Chiefs run the ball anymore with the additional, I would like to say, physicality they're trying to bring? The way they drafted, the way they have trended with the offensive line, it seems like they might run the ball more. But then at the same time, you look at the Bengals game in the playoffs and you're scratching your head, screaming at the TV, saying, why the bleep aren't you running? You're being so effective on the ground. But before I ask you that, do you have a tattoo on your arm? Is that new? I do have a tattoo. It's not
3: new. How did I not notice that? I've always had it. I don't know. We podcast a lot during the the cold season. It's warm now, Mm. so... There it is. I like it. I like. It. I had no idea you had a tattoo. Look yeah, at you, three bro. hours in the chair. It was. No, uh, I'm sorry. I was about I, ready. I was done. Like I was. <laughs> like when it was. When we were near the end, I was ready to get out of there. Um, um, do you have any tattoos, dude? Zero. No? I, I I thought about for the past
2: I don't know ten years getting a Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo, the the asterisk. But dude, I'm so soft, man. I'm Charmin Ultra. I'd be <laughs> in that chair crying. Don't let the mustache fool you. This yeah. is not a man who likes pain. So you're not going to get like the Mike Tyson like face, no, the neck tap. I, I could do the the whole Yadi and Molina, the neck tap going on. You know, yeah, just yeah, really yeah. get
3: into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, man. Look, I I think um, I think the the Verdaram on our show does not believe that Andy will run the ball more. He just doesn't buy it. But I feel like sometimes we talk out of both sides of our mouths when we talk about Andy Reid. Like everyone's like Andy. He's this offensive innovator. He's done it for, for decades in the NFL. And, but, but, but when it comes to can he, can he take advantage of the defense he's getting and run the ball more, no, he's not going to be able to do that. Well, you can't have it both ways. Andy Reid is an offensive innovator, and I think he's going to do what he needs to do or what he thinks is the best move for them to win football games this year. And if that means running the ball a little bit more, look, man, this offense is going to be different next year. I think for all of us, and teams are going to play it differently as well. It's going to take the defenses some time to figure it out. It's going to take the Chiefs some time to figure it out. But if we think that we're going to come out and we're just only going to see the two deep shell all the time, because Tyree Kill's gone, and I think some of these defensive coordinators, you know, they think they think highly of themselves. They think highly of their systems. Some of them are going to come out and they're going to be they're going to creep down a little bit. See if we can get a little pressure on Mahomes. He doesn't have Tyree Kill anymore. They're going to test the waters. And I think Andy Reid's going to have an answer for it. And I think it's going to be, in some ways, a brand-new offense. And I'm really excited to see how it all plays out.
2: Yeah, I don't think they necessarily get rid of the RPOs. I just think they actually run the ball in the RPOs. I think Mahomes might trust his O-line more after seeing how big and physical, especially on the interior. I mean, if Kennard is at right tackle, if whatever happens the Orlando Brown Jr. gets done, That is just a massive mauling group up front. It's huge. If you don't run the ball, especially in certain situations, you're just, I think you're overthinking it. Sometimes the easiest situation can still be the best situation. Yeah. As a golfer, for years, I've been hearing PXG say, nobody makes golf clubs like they do, period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw it for myself. Went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver. And let me be honest. I was skeptical. Well, again, I, I loved my old driver. I had a uh, another very popular big-name brand. I love my driver. But they brought me in just to, to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better and the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that, the the ability of of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft we tried out different weights on the shaft we tried different shafts in general um we we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a ten and a half degree driver down to a nine as someone who has a high launch angle who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball i needed something that was a little lower so we moved the weights to the front of the club It, it was such a wonderful experience I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, Again, I was blown away by the PXG Black Ops driver. PXG made me a believer. They'll do the same for every golfer in Kansas City. Visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at PXG Kansas City. Uh, That is 7517 West 119th Street in Overland Park. Get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free. That's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting. pxg.com slash arrowhead. Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.
4: Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: Orlando Brown Jr., what do you make of this? Because I don't disagree with what he said when he came out and said this is not a good year for the Chiefs to not pay a left tackle, especially with how much the edge positions have grown in in the AFC West, you know, the Raiders, obviously the chargers, obviously. So what do you make of the comments? I don't disagree with the comments, but the way he went about it to me seemed a little bit like he thinks he's Trent Williams and not a, I don't know, eight to 12 best left tackle in the NFL.
3: Yeah. um, And Hey, if you guys watching could do us a favor and hit the thumbs up button, we'd really appreciate that on YouTube. Listen, Sterling, I got to ask you, man, like, why do these guys talk? Like, If you're a a person, and by the way, I always kind of want to call him OBJ. I know that's confusing. I I, I have to stop
2: myself every single
3: time. (laughs) But like, why? I feel like the first thing your agent and I know you just got an agent, but the first thing your agent should tell you when you go to the NFL is don't talk. Especially when it's like, uh, as you like to are fond of saying an unforced error. No unforced errors. Like you're doing this contract negotiation. Of course, you're trying to get as much money as you want, as you can. I don't blame you. But like you're doing, there's no way to, there's no win for you if you're Orlando Brown Jr. in this situation to come out and say, oh, it's not a good year for. I mean, what is he, the mob? He sounds a little bit like, <laughs> oh yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you don't sign me to the richest contract in history. Uh, maybe something happens. Back <laughs> at you know, like you, you can't win. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Let your agent negotiate. You negotiate. Get as much money as you can. Um, it's a lose lose scenario when you when they talk like this. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as should they pay him? Look, they—he's they, got leverage. Like he knows he has leverage. He doesn't need to come out and say it. I think it'll work itself out. Brett Veach isn't mm-hmm. going to go crazy and like make him the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. At least I don't think so. And I think Orlando Brown Jr. and his camp will be reasonable, and they'll come. Like it'll get worked out. He'll get paid. Will he get overpaid a little bit? He's probably going to get overpaid a little bit for what he's done so far. But hopefully, at his age, he's got a little bit more to go. He's got a higher ceiling and, and, and he continues to improve. And then maybe we're sitting here in a year or two and we're looking back at his contract and we're like, yeah, it's a bargain because now he's like the second or third best left tackle in the NFL. And he's not getting paid like it.
2: Where I'm at is he's acting like he's already done all of these things. Sure. The pro bowls are nice, but I think pro bowls is it's a, it's a name contest. All pros are what matter. Look at Mitchell Schwartz, right? Like, I, I, I apologize. It's a great thing to have for players. I'm not knocking guys who go to the Pro Bowl. That's fantastic. It obviously means you're a good player, but I think he's a good tackle. He's not great. He's not elite. I have questions about what his ceiling is. We know the floor. The floor is really solid, right? I think his ability to see multiple things uh his ability to become more of a technician right as you get older as you age you might lose a step but you've seen things before you know what to expect i think being in the same system for multiple years that obviously helps but when you don't have the quickest feet obviously uh, he's playing tennis he's trying to get a little quicker but at that size it's difficult unless he loses a little bit of weight and maybe that's just not his game i'm not saying he needs to i don't see the feet or the speed all of a sudden making him some elite left tackle. Uh, let me get you some numbers here of what the contracts look like for the elite left tackles. Trent Williams uh, Trent Williams is the highest paid left tackle. I'm going AAV here. Uh, this is per over the cap. Trent Williams is averaging 23 million and 10,000 per season. Okay. Uh, David baccatari 23 mil per season. Laramie Tunsell, 22 million per season. Uh, we can all agree. He's nowhere near those three. Correct. Agreed. Okay. Uh, we get down to four Ronnie Stanley. Uh, he's 19.75 mil, Jake Matthews, 18.5, uh, Cam Robinson, 17.583. So just going through the numbers right there, he's going to get more than those guys. I don't think he deserves top three. And if he starts to ask for 23, that's where I think if you're Brett Veach, you have to pull out the sunk cost method. And that's what I'm telling you is if he's demanding that he deserves all of this money, right? You have to say, you know what? I get it. We gave up that first round draft pick, but this is a separate deal. Now you can't just think that because you gave that up. Now you have to double down on that decision. That's what gets you in trouble.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, it, I think if you're Brett Veach, you make the best offer that you can, uh, or that you want to, and you've got him on the franchise tag and you can, you know, you can, you can negotiate again next off season. If he, if he wants to call He's you. Not a signed though, I
2: don't believe right. I don't think. That, he has I don't signed
3: think. it. Well, not, not
2: to my knowledge. I, I I'm not a hundred percent. Sure but it's been all quiet
3: on that front. There's a I th- I think it should be coming up. This is where it's good to have Verderim around cuz he's an encyclopedia, but the, there's a there's an event horizon where they have to sign or they you know, they can't they can't play under it. So there, there's a decision day coming up. But look, man, they can't renegotiate once they sign. I, so there's no reason for him to do it until the last minute and it gives him a chance for leverage. But I think if you can get him to play under the tag, he, he probably doesn't want to sit out for a year. Does he want to gamble on himself and sign the tag if he doesn't get the money that he wants? We've seen guys do that, it worked out for Kirk Cousins, right? And sometimes it doesn't work out, but I'm okay with him playing under the tag. Look, you know, that's an opportunity for him to go out there and play really well and protect Pat and up his game. And then we'll like, he'll gladly get paid the, the top dollar that he wants mm-hmm. if he's able to do that. And if he doesn't, where he backslides a little bit or he gets injured, well, that's a risk that he takes but that the chiefs aren't on the hook for some huge contract. So if he if he wants to end up signing that and you know betting on himself, I'd be fine with that. But I want to ask you, do you think Orlando Brown Jr is better than Eric Fisher? I think he's the same but the complete opposite. Eric Fisher was the
2: athletic, he can get out in space, more of a quote quote technician, right? And then Orlando Brown Jr is if you look at PFF, the numbers are very similar too. It's not just the eye test. It's not just the feeling. It's it's a lot of equations that come into, the, into play here. But they're just different styles. Two two what's it? two ways to skin a cat? Multiple ways to skin a cat. It's a, It's the same situation here. I, I just I don't see him wanting to sign the franchise tag because even that one year that's guaranteed, he's wanting more money than that. So it makes no sense for him. I don't blame him for being, I think it was what, 16.5 mil, something like that. For him, there's no reason to. He wants to be in that 19, 20, 21, 22 million dollar range for multi-years. I understand why he's being a little difficult. I would be too if you think you're worth more than that. And If you're going to sign a four or five, hopefully year contract worth more AAV than that one single year where there is a lot of risk involved. Again, I'm not hating on Orlando Brown Jr. I don't want this to come off as, as me being a hater. Right. If it was 5 year 90, 5 year even 100, I think I could I could, you know, handle that. But when you start getting more than that, I, I start having a lot of questions.
3: Yeah, I'm look, I'm all for investing in the lines, man. Give me pass rushers, give me protection for Pat. I think the rest of that stuff you can figure out, especially when you have an elite quarterback. So, I don't mind overpaying him a little bit, um, but I trust Brett Veach and the cap experts at the Chiefs. To to in general do the right thing there. Lord knows they don't need my analysis on the salary cap.
2: But wouldn't you think it's a little bit, I would say, interesting, weird if they did not overpay Tyreek Hill, and then the next move you make is going out and overpaying Orlando Brown Jr. That to me would be a little interesting.
3: Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say on that is that he's so much younger than Tyreek. Like so, and, and, and Tyreek is so. That speed is his deal, right? He's not a size guy. He's not probably ever going to be a possession receiver. So the problem with Tyreek is, as is, is special as he is, once that athleticism drops, he just becomes a guy. Uh, and, and and you know, he's not big. And so on that, I, I, I at least could understand it because you're getting a guy to protect Mahomes, protect on the blind side, whereas the other guy, when does Tyreek Hill fall off? I mm-hmm. mean, he's in incredible shape, but... It happens fast. And when you're when you're dealing with that separation of athleticism from, like, these guys are all incredible. All these receivers are fast. They're incredible athletes. What's the difference between Tyree Kill and the next guy? And in some cases, it's just a few tenths of a
2: second. Let's move on because I feel like we've beaten a dead horse over the past, I don't know, two weeks talking about Orlando Brown Jr., yeah. I want to talk about Petty Pat. No, not you, Patrick. Patrick Mahomes liking tweets, all this stuff about Tyreek Hill, him moving on. Tyreek Hill talking a, a little smack. What do you make of Patrick Mahomes being petty?
3: I mean, the dude's like, he sees what's going on. Like, he's on social media. He's not one of these quarterbacks who's not, I mean, he's not crazy active on social media. Thank God. Like, he's not Tyron Matthew out there, but he sees what's going on. He's, he's, he's a young guy. He's one of these kids. He's got the phone, you know? I like it. I mean, I'm glad I guess he's, he's, it's like the right level of, I see you, I see what's going on. And, you know, he's not the thing I love about Mahomes and why I think he's a good leader for the team is he's not a complainer. Like some guys, they get out there, right? And the things don't go their way. Like he could have caught, he could have got up on that podium after that Super Bowl and been like, these, these fucking clowns. I'm hitting him in the face mask with, what, do you, what more do you want me to do? I ran like 150 yards or 500 yards running back and forth. Um, you know, it, it, no, he gets up there. He owns, he owns his part of it, and he doesn't throw his teammates under the bus generally. He could have answered these Tyreek questions when he's been asked those. Mm. What did he say? He says, we love Tyreek here. You know, I was, I, yeah, I was a little surprised to see it. So he's saying like, you know, I know. But, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let my play do the talking,
2: and that's what I want out of my franchise quarterback. Yeah, 100%. Anything that drives him, I'm okay with. He's not going out throwing anyone under the bus. He's not going out and ripping on Tyreek Hill. I think he also understands Tyreek Hill doesn't believe all this stuff. Hill is just trying to promote a podcast. Hill is just trying to do a business venture. I, I don't understand why. I don't get why all these athletes come out and do this. Tyreek Hill does not need the money he lost the majority of the fan base who was going to listen to him. Chiefs fans are very passionate. Even if he left, I think a lot of people still would have listened to him if he would have, you know, said Chiefs kingdom was incredible. But now I'm here in Miami, but doing all this extracurricular stuff. Now I'm starting to see why Tyreek Hill didn't get a lot of podium time.
3: <laughs> it feels like he's got that. I mean, some guys want the spotlight, you know, and I'm, you know, it seems like the moved Miami that look, if you're a guy like Tyreek, I mean, Look, we're talking about a guy who talks about himself in a third third person. You know, like imagine, we all rolled up in here, and I was like, "Yeah, the Patrick, the Sterling, the Ver." Like, <laughs> he, he calls himself by his own nickname. Like, you want the cheetah out there? Like, that's kind of a tool bag move. Like, and whatever. Like, you know what? He's good enough to back it up. But like, at the end of the day, I think he's probably one of these guys that he he is incredible, right? I mean, he's he was the third best player on the chiefs like, and there's a fine line between, between him and Kelsey, but like Kelsey's fide hall of famer, maybe the best tight end to ever do it. Patrick Mahomes, Terry kills the third. So that was a lot of getting overshadowed and feeling like probably he should get the ball all the time, even when he's triple covered. And so he's going to Miami and there's, there's definitely probably like, he's the best player on that team. It's not a question. He's the best player on that team. By a mile, he's going to get all the attention. It's not his quarterback, and so he's feeling himself right now. Mm. Um, now, talk to me in you know mid mid to late October and see yeah. how how he's feeling about things. But right now, hey man, I'm out of Kansas City. You know, I'm <laughs> in South Beach. I don't have to deal with the winter but anymore. His yeah. outfit
2: looks like you're taking the dog out in the winter. He's wearing a blazer, a jersey, basketball shorts, and <laughs> Timberlands. That's literally almost exactly what I take my dog out when it's cold. Yep. I I yep. wear my Timberlands. I'm wearing my basketball shorts. I'm just slipping something on. I throw whatever jacket I can find on. It's yep. taking dog out when it's cold. I don't get. I don't get it, man. I don't understand it. Let's move on, because I don't want to keep talking about Tyreek Hill. I know I say it every week, and then he does something that irritates me, and so then I talk about it, and I just keep going against what I keep saying Uh, what positional group do you think is not getting enough love? Ooh, that's
3: a good, that's a good question. I would say, Oh man, maybe the, maybe the cornerbacks. Like I feel like nobody knows what I would say it's, it's between the cornerbacks and the linebackers. Mm -hmm. I think the cornerback group, like there's some new faces and people don't know what to make of them. I actually think they're going to be pretty good. I'm excited about the changes from this year With Jerry Snead, I know he had all those interceptions his first year, and everybody was really excited. And then there wasn't as much of that last year, but that tends to happen when you start developing a reputation as a ball hawk. But I think they've generally been pretty solid and just haven't had the pass rush to kind of back them up. So uh, I would say something between those two. Yeah,
2: I'm going linebackers 100%. I think that we've talked a little bit about it, but we've still not given them enough love. I think they're going to be an elite position group in the NFL. I'm not talking, you know, top half. I think his linebacking core could be top five. Okay. Nick Bolton was fantastic last year and he grew. We saw him in pass coverage late in the season, go one-on-one against Austin Eckler on a few plays and he bested him. Eckler is one of the best, if not the best pass catching running back in the NFL. I'm not saying he can do it for a full game, but if he can do it in spurts, that is huge for Nick Bolton. Willie Gay Jr. We're gonna start seeing him more on third downs, guys. Yeah, Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens. No, it's time for the young crew to step up. We're gonna see a lot less blown coverages. Just the athleticism alone that Willie Gay Jr. brings, it's phenomenal. Okay. So those two guys are huge. They're developing, they're growing. Now the rookie. If you want athleticism, this dude has it. Leo Chanel, the dude yeah. that writes death arm on his or death row on his arm, he's a psycho. He's physical. He can play all over the field. You are going to love to see it. Just to me, this is such a, it's it's new, even though two guys were there last year, but we're going to see Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. Leo Chanel. We're going to start seeing them on third downs. We're no longer, and at least I hope not, we're going to, we're not going to see Ben Neiman, right? Anthony Hitchens, he's gone. So like, we're going to see such an improvement. I think it's going to be a shock and the physicality to me is just going to jump off the page again. I just think this linebacking core has the potential to
3: be top five. I've got a, I've got a bold prediction for you. I am such a big Willie Gay Jr. Believer. I think Willie Gay Jr. Is going to have four interceptions this year, maybe five. That dude is, is he's got, he's got the instincts and he's got the athleticism to go up and get them. I think he's going to, I think with Chris Jones playing in the middle all season long, he might be the beneficiary of a nice little, little tip drill. And he's a, mm-hmm. he stalks that ball, man. Like he gets down back there and jumps up. He's got the, he's got the ups for it. So I'm going to go four or five interceptions for Willie Gay jr. Which mm-hmm. would be incredible. What do you think you George straight? Cause write that down. Yeah. That would be incredible. Okay. Yeah.
2: I don't know if it's going to get that many, but I do think his ball skills are very, very good for a linebacker. Again, a lot of this comes down to as good as I think the linebackers are going to be. The Chiefs still have such a need at edge. We talked about cornerbacks. The cornerbacks, they can be really, really good, but eventually you can only hold for so long, right? Eventually you're going to have to get some pressure. That's the one concern I have from this defense taking a massive step forward. You have to have good pass rush. I always say it. The two most important things in today's NFL is the quarterback and getting pressure on the quarterback. Chris Jones is great, but he can't be, he can't do it by himself, right? He's not Aaron Donald. He can't beat triple teams consistently. I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's a trade for Robert Quinn. I don't know if it's you're hoping (laughs) for Malik Herring and Joshua Kando to step up. I'm a little concerned, but that's my one big bugaboo. I have no idea what's going to happen to edge and that could spell a lot of struggles,
3: especially early on for this defense. It, it all comes down to Carl Loftus, man. I mean, you invested yeah. a, a first-round pick in a pass rusher. I know he's not a high pick. I know that the relentless motor... See, I think sometimes when we run it, like, you watch Frank, right? And Frank would have some good plays, but you'd feel like sometimes maybe he wasn't going full bore the whole game. Carl Loftus is the opposite of that, everything we're hearing about him. If he exceeds expectations... I think the pass rush is going to be fine because I think he's going to leave. He's going to be one of these guys who maybe wears players down, you know, like maybe he doesn't get a lot early in the game, but he just keeps coming, just keeps coming, just keeps coming. Guys get tired. And if he's got that kind of mentality, I think when you pair him in a vacuum, do you want him to be your number one, like your only best pass rusher? No. But when you pair him with Chris Jones and when you pair him with Frank Clark, who still does have talent, I know he hasn't performed to the way to his contract, but when you put the three of those together, I think you could, and then you rotate in some guys like like Kando, and I think you've got a chance for a pretty solid league average pass rush, and and maybe with upside on the back end of Karloff just really blossoms in and becomes a, a really great pass rusher for you. He's got some things to work on, but I'm excited. Like I feel like it just gets overlooked, right? That they. They drafted a first-round guy to rush passer. We're like, we don't have enough pass rush. It's like uh, nobody believes in the kid. I disagree,
2: man. I am maybe the at least one of the biggest George Karloftis supporters you'll find out here. I know all about some of the lack of upside, which I think seems crazy with his his age and how people were saying, well, boy, Amafé has all this upside at, what, three years older, four years older than him. Yeah. yeah, his bend isn't isn't great, but he's so strong and powerful. I, I truly think George Kalaffis is, is going to be a day one starter. I think he has a chance to make some all pros down the road. Maybe not be top, top elite, but be a very, very great pass rusher. I, I just don't want to get not Homer, but like I don't have much faith in Frank Clark. He's not shown me anything over the no past few seasons. Yeah. But putting all your eggs in one Rookie edge, to me, it's 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 a dangerous game. Uh Dana's fine. In, in, in a vacuum, Michael Dana is fine. That's it, though. He's fine. Yeah, Right now, he's going to be getting a lot of snaps. Uh Joshua Kando, again, when he was drafted, he was not my choice. I, I said going into it, he was probably my least comfortable draft pick. I'm tired of all these developmental pass rushers. Again, why I was so excited with George Karloftis was a step in the opposite uh, direction, a day one, week one ready player. Again, obviously, the round one, you should hopefully get that, but still. I also don't know what Malik Heron's going to bring. We always talk about, well, he could have been a day two guy, but he wasn't. Injuries happen. It's a concern. Uh, there's just so many unknowns. It's almost like the Royals. Every single year you talk yourself into, well, if this goes right and this goes right and this goes right, it could be a good group. Well, right. eventually, yeah. So, yeah, it's so many what ifs. I, I just think that the Chiefs need to have one more solid veteran guy. Maybe that was Melvin Ingram. I, I know I, I if that wrecks – the chiefs edge situation you're in a bad situation if what, a 34 year old melvin ingram destroys your your position group i don't know what they do but i still think something needs to happen there
3: yeah and you look there's going to be as teams get into camp and they start getting a look at their rosters that's a that's an interesting time for some movement that there's always surprise veterans get cut at the end of these things people are trying to save a little bit of money they got a young guy you know a, a crappy team that's got a young guy they want to get out there they don't want to pay this veteran so they cut People become available. Trades can still be made. The Chiefs have a boatload of picks next year. So I don't think there's any reason to overreact right now. Get in there and uh, get a look at your guys in camp. See them with pads on. And then if you need to make a move, make a move to shore things up a little bit. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Jay Ward celebrating his sixth month as a
2: Arrowhead Attic member. Uh, well, congrats, you can check man. that out. Yeah. in the discord. Uh, check it out in this YouTube video in the description if you want to join as well. Uh, he asked Robert Quinn when I am with you. I would love Robert Quinn. I would love to see what that would cost. Uh, I would love to see what the contract would look like, but it feels like there is money available. And again, like I said, edge to me outside of quarterback is the most important thing. Uh, Who do you think would be a surprise roster cut or roster addition for the Chiefs?
3: A surprise cut for the Chiefs. Oh man, that's a tough one. I feel like they're, everyone's pretty well locked in, but Right, i got two names popped into my head i don't think either of them are gonna happen but I, there's no sense in being boring here so let's let's be bold a surpri- like a true surprise cut one thornhill mm like it just you know like I, for whatever reason they don't you know I, I don't think that's a guy you cut that's a guy you trade right but like yeah. Somebody that they would move on from, like they've obviously got some issue with him or they did. So if they're not happy, they brought in a couple, they drafted a guy, they, they brought in a free agent. I don't think they're, they're going to do it, but I could see that. And then the other one would be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. <laughs> He's on the rookie deal. I don't think that they would cut him, but could they trade him? You know, I for Third, what, sixth? Fifth? Yeah, he have, like those are guys that I feel like they're not—they're just not thrilled with, right? They're—they're they're obviously not thrilled with those guys. So as far as being like, there are other people who are more, like somebody mentioned, like uh, Tone mentioned Blake Bell, mm-hmm. yeah, like. But, but I guess that wouldn't be as big of a surprise for me because like Blake Bell is—you don't expect him to get cut, but like also you don't—you're not like, oh no, what if we lose Blake Bell to in injury? You know, like. Yeah.
2: Um, no, I'm with you. Blake Bell would have been a good one, but that's one I. I I think it's more 50-50 or more. Not, maybe not 50-50, but 25% chance of him getting cut. I would not be shocked. Uh, Clyde, I don't think is. I think this is his first really, truly healthy season in the NFL. He's on that rookie contract. Uh, I just don't see Clyde getting cut. Juan Thornhill, I wouldn't necessarily see getting cut, but I could see his playing time drastically diminish. Yeah. Uh, I, I said that. I did this offseason. I said when they went out and got, was it, uh, got Bush, just in case, Justin Reed, obviously. And then now with Brian cook, it, it almost feels like Juan Thornhill. He's got a lot to prove. You can say all you want about how this is going to be your best season. I'm in the best shape of my life, but everyone has always said at this time, they yeah. are in the best shape of their life. It's that time of
3: year. So it's so until <laughs> best shape of best shape of my life season. I tweeted that the other day. That's I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be
2: shocked if Juan Thornhill got cut, but I would not be shocked if he lost a lot of playing time. My guy, as far as surprise roster cut, might not be a massive surprise, but it's because I think it's truly going to happen. That's DeAndre Baker. That might not be shocking, but I truly think it's going to happen. He was basically cornerback three. He got a ton, a ton of playing time last year, more so than I think we all thought, especially in big moments. He didn't do very well. No, no. They've overhauled this secondary. I just don't see him coming back, even though he just signed his exclusive rights-free agent, his ERFA contract tender. Um, I just don't see him back on this team.
3: I just, I, here's I just, I just don't. Here's one for you. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a surprise. Maybe it wouldn't be. Chad Henney. Don't be surprised if Chad Henney gets cut. Like, yeah. it's, not like it's not like they couldn't pick him back up. You know, I love Chad. The dude's like 55 years old. Teams aren't going to be crawling all over themselves to 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 scoop up Chad Henne when he hit, when he you know hits the open market. And I really think the Chiefs need a younger quarterback in the backup spot. I don't mm-hmm. like these these like, and the Chiefs apparently do Andy Mus. These like ancient <laughs> quarterbacks. Like it's great, you know, Chad Henne, <sighs> Matt Moore. They can come in, they can win you a game, but you the team that I admire with what they've done with their backup quarterbacks is Baltimore. Like when they had RG3 and like I feel like they've always got a guy back there who somewhat fits into their system. Chad Henney has none of the attributes that Patrick <laughs> Holmes has. He doesn't yeah. have a cannon. He doesn't have it's it's like the Andy Reid seems to, to favor like, I want the oldest, safest option so that somebody can come out and dump the ball off and we could try to play good defense and win. And I think you need you need some guys that somewhat resemble Mahomes' skill set so you can properly run your offense. Yeah. No,
2: I actually 100% agree. I think the Ravens do do a fan, uh, fantastic job doing that. Also, I, I'm laughing right now. Mr. Schrump, I think, is talking about me basically saying, I need more beers because my take wasn't hot enough. I'm sorry, okay? You're right. I do need more beers. But after <laughs> a long weekend in Northwest Arkansas on a Ryder Cup-style tournament, a lot of beers were drank. Then i have a bachelor party this
3: weekend. A lot more beers will be drank. You got to hydrate, uh, man. You got to You got to re. You got to you, you're not gonna be able to make it through a bachelor party if you're not hydrated. No. Uh, so
2: I, I apologize for my more lukewarm takes. But at least you know what? I believe it. OK, I believe it. Uh, as far as a surprise roster make, uh, this one might be more surprising for people. I think it's gonna be Corey Coleman. I think Corey oh. Coleman, the former first-round draft pick, makes the roster. I don't think Josh Gordon does. I think Josh Gordon is gone. That's my personal opinion. Uh, Corey Coleman has been flying, flying under the radar. I, I just have a feeling that he's a guy that's going to make this roster. How old is, is Corey
3: Coleman? 27. He's make 27. So Gordon's older than that, right? Is he almost 31? He's 31. Yeah, so, yeah, man. I mean, like Corey Coleman was a guy that came out with – you know, great athleticism and just was a total, total bust. So this is a reclamation project. I, I could see that. I could see that being a surprise make in favor of Josh Gordon. Who's who's, I mean, let let's just be honest. Like Josh Gordon's best days are well behind him. Uh, and so what does he bring to the table for this team? Like Corey Coleman with the speed, Maybe that's your maybe that's your guy who makes it as a special teamer and returner. And look, Josh Gordon's an athletic freak, but he's on the wrong side of thirty. So I, I think that's a good. I like that one. Yeah, surprise yeah, me. He,
2: he just hasn't. Josh Gordon to me hasn't done it in so long. Everyone keeps looking back and harkening oh, back to what yeah. twenty fifteen. Just to me. It's asinine to keep saying, "Well, what if, what if, what if?" You're kind of doing that a little bit with Corey Coleman, but you've done that less, I would say. And again, that touchdown last year, people like to point to that for Josh Gordon. It's like they could have done that to anyone. That to me was just trying to get people off his back. That was a a layup; any one of
3: the receivers could have caught that ball and waltzed in. So, yeah, I love his size, but they've got lots of size. I mean, they've got. Uh, they've got Jody Fortson, Kelsey. Like, they've got plenty of size on the team. They don't and need yes. Josh Gordon to to make the team just to be a red zone threat. They need somebody who can help Pat between the 20s. Obviously, they have that. And I, I think Juju's going to have a monster year. Like, I think that dude was playing with Ben Roethlisberger's corpse in an offense that got steadily more and more conservative when it came to the passing game. And then they got more receivers in there competing. I, I, I think this is going to be a big revival. I think they're going to use him a lot out of the slot. I'm really excited to see how he, he flourishes in this offense
2: over under a thousand yards for Juju over. Mm. Yeah.
3: Mm. Yeah. I, Cause I, like, I just think McColl's still there. MVS is there, but like, and I know everyone's kind of excited about the, the receiving core, but like, Let's not act like these guys are all world beaters. Like that we just like, yeah, we got rid of Tyreek, but we brought in, you know, four guys who are just really, really good. Like, other than Josh Gordon with friggin' Brian Hoyer as his quarterback like a <laughs> decade ago, right? Who who of these guys had like amazing seasons? MVS with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams was a really solid guy, good deep threat, would occasionally have these big, you know, big monster games and then would disappear for Three weeks at a time. All right. That's that's MVS. Juju had a top tier season of all the guys, of all the receivers. McCole Harbin has been a nice third, fourth receiver. Third, I'd say third receiver based on the numbers he's put up. He's been very good. He's very athletic. He's a guy you want to get the ball in his hands. Juju Smith Schuster is the only one on the team, with the exception of Josh Gordon, who's had like a legit awesome NFL season. So if you can, and he's still really young, if you can pull that guy from just a couple of years ago out, now you've got yourself a receiving court. But if I'm, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, man, if Juju doesn't work out, this offense is going to struggle. Mm. It's just going to struggle. I don't care how great Pat is. These guys are not world beaters. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Who's your surprise make? I went with Corey Coleman. Who do you got? <clears throat> uh I don't know, man. I don't know if I've got a surprise make. I think maybe I'll stick with you and with Corey Coleman because I'm not high. I'm not high on Josh Gordon. I just, I, I think he's kind of a waste of time. We I feel like that guy has gotten talked about more on this show um, than, than he, he, he deserves. I mean, I'm happy. Like he's made it back into the league. He's gone through a lot of struggles and all that, but like, my God, that have we ever talked about any player more who's done less than Josh Gordon. And it's like always like, I don't know if it's the fantasy thing, but like even the people in the chat too, like they're like, Hey man, what, what do you guys think about Josh Gordon? I think he's going to break out this week. And I'm like, he's not going to break out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's the Albert Mondesi to an extent in baseball for the Royals. That's what he basically is. I know he's had a better career, obviously than, than Mondesi, but a lot of time missed. Right. And that's a guy that I feel like could be 37 years old and people are still talking about,
3: but what about the potential yeah if we had just signed bobby Scipio, if bobby (laughs) Scipio would have made it out of camp i mean it's just it's just what what's what's going to happen is is gordon's going to make the team and he's going to come out in week one and he's going to go for like you know eight catches for 127 yards and two touchdowns and then everyone's going to lose their fucking (laughs) mind and then he's going to go and he's not going to have another catch for like eight weeks there's always somebody who does that in the NFL every year that kind of comes out of the gate and you're like, oh, shit, I got to get him on my fantasy team and then vanishes. Watch it'll be? Josh Gordon. Then we'll be forced to talk about him for eight more weeks. Uh, good
2: question. The chat right here from AC. Uh, What's what we need today? It's hot as shit outside. Uh, think they'll run the ball or run more play action instead of RPO
3: this season. Patrick, what do you think? I think they're going to run more play action. And I think this, if, if teams continue, and this is a fad in the NFL, there was a really great article over at, I believe it was the ringer about the, the way that the NFL has been like, it's, it's the whole, like, uh, um, not Josh McDaniels um, Rams head coach, uh, Sean McVay. Yeah. Like, everybody's doing this too high safety thing. That's what teams were using against the chiefs and they were doing it against Buffalo. And in an article breaks down how different teams attacked this coverage. And one of the ways that the bills did it was they started going into a lot of heavy sets with like extra tight ends and fullbacks, which would force teams to play their base package and create more favorable matchups when they were able to, you know, run uh, play action and things out of that set, the chiefs, Uh, went to more play action than they ever have. And Pat took more snaps through from uh, more snaps under center than he ever had as, as a chief. And I think that we're going to see more of that this year. They're going to, it's hard to add some of that stuff mid season when it's not in the playbook. And so they, they have a few plays and maybe they run some more of it. I'm guessing that Andy's going to have a whole new package built in this year that they're going to work on a lot more play action. And if you notice the chiefs, they got the, the, one of the interesting things about the receivers that they got where they got guys that are known for their blocking ability. so that tells me more play action, more running the football, uh, less of a vertical passing game to to, to make teams pay for pay, for playing this coverage so more underneath stuff I think Kelsey's going to have a huge year I think Juju's going to have a huge year and I think Clyde Edwards Alaire, if he stays healthy is going to have his best season as a pro. Before
2: we get out of here, you tried a new cereal. I don't think anyone yes. has ever heard of this. It looks like a off-brand gimmick. It,
3: uh, it, it, but it's not. It's So this shit, this is Quisp. I saw this in the store like months ago, and I was like, what in the... I've never seen this. It's the plainest box you've ever seen. It's got this guy who's like, an, like a pink Pepto-Bismol alien with <laughs> a color on his head. There's a comic on the back, though. Um, so I had never heard of this and I bought it, uh, yesterday and I started doing some research. Um, I came home the the way I do my cereal reviews is very scientific. You start out with, of course, the dry hand test, right? You don't just go straight to the milk. You open it up, you stick your hand in there and you taste it. And the first thing I thought before I did any of my research on the cereal was, yeah, David says, I remember Quisp from the seventies. Yeah. So I did the dry, the dry test and it was, I was like, holy shit, this is Captain Crunch. Like this is dead on. It tastes exactly like Captain Crunch. It's just the the they're like in the shape of bowls instead of like the Captain Crunch, like whatever you want to call that. So they're like they're these little. You can see there. Let's get real hmm. scientific. It's like a little bowl. It's a little crisp. It's very sweet, and so I'm like, okay, it tastes like Captain Crunch. This is positive. I had a bowl this morning. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. In my research, I found this stuff used to exist. It got discontinued for a while. So it used to be Quisp and there was a a rival cereal called Quake and they were the same shit in different (laughs) shape, right? So they eventually discontinued Quake and then Quisp for a while went away and it got repackaged as a Popeye cereal. And if you look at the, if you look up the Popeye cereal, it's the same, it's, 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 they literally just changed the box. It was Popeye cereal. Then it went away. Then it came back you know we do this on a scale right so it's the ct crunch scale from zero to five all right i cannot believe that this was the outcome i am giving quisp four ct crunches like it's like it's it's captain crunch i love captain crunch captain crunch is a force is a four ct crunch cereal quisp tastes exactly the same it's just a different shape so when you're going to the store if you see this stuff it basically comes down to: Do you like this shape better than than Captain Crunch, or do you like cat, you know, the Captain Crunch logo better than whatever the hell this thing is? Um, it's a great cereal. It's really good. I'm, I'm Does surprised. it
2: also destroy the roof of your mouth? Because Captain Crunch just absolutely rips my my mouth up. This is this is the
3: the the thing. It doesn't it doesn't cut your mouth at all because of the shape of it. So like, Yeah. Todd says flying saucers. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Flying saucers, but they're, they're like bowls. Like they're all, you know, they're there's a little indentation there. Um, yeah, it's an alien. It's, uh, I don't know if it has a name on here. I didn't study the back. This is good cereal. There's a shit ton of sugar in it. It's 170 <laughs> calories a serving. And I've never seen this on a cereal thing. The serving size is one to one and a quarter cups. I'm like, I don't get it. It's good I I actually recommend it. People people make fun of it because of the box. That when I tweeted it yesterday, they were like, "Oh, that looks like off-brand shit." It's actually really good. It's basically captain. It's it's Captain Crunch. So yeah, four CT crunches from me. Uh, two
2: comments I want to get to before we head out of here. Cheeto Freak says the dry hand test implies the existence
3: of a wet hand test. <laughs> no, it does not. No, it does not. It's the dry hand test and the bowl. And I'm a little bit, I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable with the territory this is heading into. Um, so follow up question. No, I want to give a shout out to Evan Warner. He is
2: celebrating his seven month uh, as far as being a member. So Evan, great Evan, job.
3: You guys are the like, you guys who have been Airhead Act members for like six months longer at all, like. You guys are awesome. The fact that you're hanging with us, it's friggin' June. I'm sitting here talking about a cereal from the <laughs> 1970s to fill time for the Cheese Podcast. You guys are the absolute uh, shit. You're incredible. Thank you. Uh, he also called me out. He goes, we, oh, you no. better see Sterling at the
2: next AA Discord happy hour. No excuses this time. Okay, I apologize. One, it was my birthday. I was out for dinner with my parents. I couldn't call for... I forget where we ate at. I couldn't call from the... I don't, wherever it was. Okay. So I apologize. I will try and be here at the next one and lots of beers will be drank. I think we might do, I think we're doing trivia next time. Oh,
3: hell yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like Aerosmith before we go out? You big Aerosmith guy, dude. So I went to an Aerosmith concert back when I was in like a senior in high school. So this would have been like 2000 and they were, uh, they were doing a thing on their tour where they would put a little stage out on the lawn and they would come out and do like four songs out there. So we knew about this. And when we got there with our, our cheap lawn seats, <clears throat> rather like we missed a lot of the concert because we went and we stood right up against the, the the barricade in front of the stage. So we would have front row seats for the four songs as they came out. So they come out and they're doing, like they're doing their thing. They come out, they, they start off with with "Eat the Rich," oh, which yeah. is amazing. And I'm talking, I'm two feet away from Steven Tyler. So then they start singing dream on my favorite Aerosmith song. Steven Tyler is like, you know, the crowd, we're all like going like this. We're reaching out. Steven Tyler reaches out while he's singing dream on grabs my hand. And we had a bro moment for like 30 seconds. He just like held on. So I held hands with Steven Tyler live at a concert pretty rad dude. That is awesome. I Steven Tyler, by the way, is a great
2: human being, at least from all accounts that I've seen. Um, I was 12, had a chance to meet him and they were not allowed to sign anything. Right. Because people like to sell stuff online, but I was 12 years old. I brought a drumstick and the security guard goes, Hey man, you can't bring that. And Steven Tyler just looked at the security guard and goes, the dude is 12. He's not going to be selling this. So he signed it. And I still have that. So that's um, rad. You and I both have a bromance. It looks like for yep. Stephen Tyler. Uh, favorite right. album: "Toys in the Attic." I gotta keep pushing this because people like to lie and say other ones. It's "Toys in the Attic." Don't lie
3: to yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Okay, That's a solid take.
2: I don't, we should talk more music on here. Me and me and Matt Connor do this all the time. I like this. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll do it. Fa- we'll do it. It's favorite favorite concert, concert you've been okay. to? What's that? Favorite concert you've been to? <sighs> uh, all the Green Day concerts I've been to. Those those Surprise. guys they they put on such a, a goddamn good show like they'll like start a band on stage they're really funny uh they go hard real pros like they they put on a fantastic show mm fun
2: guys thank you so much for listening thanks for listening to all the offseason nonsense thanks for sticking with us thank you to all the members who've been here for so long thanks to everyone who comments who likes this who reaches out to us who tweets us with kc birko we appreciate you guys so so much this is the eric uh, airhead addict podcast thank you to patrick allen for joining in today uh matt connor hopefully he's having a blast in new york maybe we'll run into uh to matt Verderham up there who knows uh but we are out we'll see you guys on thursday deuces